We are your hosts. This is Nicole. And this evening, I'm joined by Armani and Dexter, as usual. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. What's up, y'all? What's going on, people? All right. This week, we have quite a few things to talk about on another episode of Black Sundays, presented by House of That's what we're going to call this from now on, so y'all are aware. First up, last week, we did not address the passing of Chadwick Boseman, so I feel like we should start off the top with that. Two weeks ago now? Has it been two weeks? Not two weeks. In just about two weeks. Okay. So two weeks ago, we lost the great actor that is Chadwick Chadwick Boseman to colon cancer that he was diagnosed with about four years ago. He was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. Um, To be diagnosed out the gate with stage three is pretty crazy. I couldn't imagine like to get diagnosed and that's like where it's at. And after getting that diagnosis, he went on to film... All the great, a lot of the great movies that, you know, we've come to love him for being 21 Bridges, all of the MCU movies. The Five Bloods. Five Bloods, yes. from the King, yeah. Third Good. I don't know if 42, I think 42 may have been in there as well. Um, So that's, that's a lot to do and to have kept his diagnosis private as well during that time period. Uh, So... What did you guys, you know, think when you got that news? It was it was so wild to me because, you know, although celebrities have no obligation to let us into their lives, it was something that we had no idea of. In a way, it kind of makes you appreciate his work more because it's like he knew what he was going through. Mm-hmm. So it's like he gave us those last few, like, or he left his legacy here. For sure. So, Dexter, what did you think when you got the news? Oh, man, I was flabbergasted as everybody else as a young guy. It was, uh, it, it was, it was crazy news to hear that he had it and, you know, he for so long. Like you said, I mean, it's just unfortunate. However, you know, he did leave a hell of a legacy as I think about it. Did he have, like, any roles where he wasn't the lead? Uh, the only movie I think where he wasn't the lead was that... The Five Bloods? No. Well, the Five Bloods, he was essentially a lead or a driving point. But that Gods of... What was it? The one oh, where he Gods played? of Egypt. Yeah, Gods of Egypt is the only thing I can think of where he was really a supporting cast member, per se, for sure. He was, token. He was the token in that movie. Yes, he was. Um, and even he knew that. In that movie and he commented on it that you know the fact that this movie was completely whitewashed and he knew it out the gate when that was cast and he was very conscious of who he was as a black artist and the fact that he was putting on like he performed for black people like that's something that was not lost on for those people who are on twitter that was not lost on black twitter in any corner of black Twitter, not even just like nerd black Twitter, but that was something that was brought up by quite a few people was the fact that he loved his people and he put on for his people. Like, unlike some black actors who are like, I'm just trying to get a check and be shucking and jiving for people. Like, he had a conscience and he turned down roles. It was brought up that, which I didn't even know as an All My Children fan because I watched All My Children when Michael B. Jordan came on there, Chadwick originally played that part that Michael B. Jordan played on All My Children. That's a recast. <laughs> yes, he did one episode, but he didn't like where they were going with that character because he felt like it wasn't true and authentic. And they were playing up a lot of like black stereotypes for that character. So he left the role. 
and walked away from a big check. And that role went to Michael B. Jordan. So, yeah. He wasn't afraid to to call out if some shit wasn't being being done right. And, you know, I thought that was pretty awesome to, to know that about him. What is your favorite Chadwick role, Dexter? Chala, of course. I mean, there's no other. It's... <laughs> You know how many times I smiled during that movie? <laughs> <laughs> you know how many times you smile at the screen? Like, yeah. He was, you know, he had a lot to do with that. Like, he was he was a hero in a lot of movies. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I like the James Brown movie as well. He was called Get On Up. Yes. He did do the damn thing and Get On Up as well. Armani, what's your favorite Chadwick role? Uh, Black Panther, definitely. Because I feel like he really gave life to an original story. Yeah. He did. And that is easily one of the best origin films of the MCU, is Black Panther. I uh, We're not going to get into what our favorite ones are, because honestly, I have not put thought into that. And I think I've said on this podcast that a different origin story was my favorite, but that was definitely done really well as far as Black Panther goes. Anything else on the Chadwick... Oh, on anything else on the Chadwick Boseman front? Yeah, it's just... I just... It's just interesting that no one has ever done that many biopic roles at that scale. Like, this guy was Thurgood Marshall. This guy was James Brown. He was, <laughs> he played Jackie Robinson. And then he was Black Panther. I don't know. Like, I, I, that type of greatness, you know what I mean, is not, it's not I don't know. We, we won't. Yeah, it, like, there's nobody like that. So it's just, it's, it's. It's crazy, but it's almost like when you hear that type of story, there's, I don't want to say it has to have tragedy in it. However, man, it seems like when they're that great, there's always some early tragedy when they're that great. And I know that's not like reality because there's plenty of great people out there that are still, but man, it's just, it's, it's crazy to have somebody that great go so quickly but have done so much in such little bit of time. For sure. It was definitely a hard one. Uh, to digest when that news hit. It was definitely unexpected. Obviously, it was unexpected because no one knew. None of the fans knew. Evidently, Disney has, has since come out and said that they didn't even know. So he legitimately, like, they kept that very private. And probably rightfully so. That was probably the right move to make. Um, one other thing, actually, I do want to note that Chadwick did a lot of wish granting for Make-A-Wish. So that included visiting, like, hospitals and sick kids that he knew were terminal with cancer and other illnesses, doing that while he himself knew that he essentially was terminal is huge. To be dealing with your own mortality, but going out there and putting smiles on kids' faces who are also dealing with the same thing should not, like, go unnoticed at all. Like, that's, he was a real superhero. Like, that was a real-life superhero move right there. Yeah, he will definitely be missed. For sure. So let's jump into something, some something a little lighter, a little more upbeat. Uh, first up on our Black Sundays list of things is Lovecraft Country, episode five, A Strange Case. I do want to say that this is episode five of ten. So we are officially halfway through Lovecraft Country. This episode, we got to see William came to actually William came to town last episode and courted. Oh God, Ruby. what is that? Yes, Ruby. Courted Ruby. We saw them get it on. And in this episode, he gives her a potion that turns her into a white woman. First of all, I want to say I called this when he said 
I, I don't even remember exactly what he said. Well, he said something wrong. The world. Yeah, he yeah. said you want the world. And I jokingly was like, what's he going to do? Turn her into a white woman? <laughs> <laughs> well, little did we know. And not only did he turn her into any white woman. A basic white woman. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Dexter, you caught the white woman that he turned her into. Yeah, the white woman. Uh, the white woman at the beginning when they first got into uh, Artem, the uh, lady with the dogs that they were trying to get into uh, some building or whatever to go see Brathwaite, and she was like, "I don't think that he would have friends like you guys." And yeah. Yes. But. So he turned her into that white woman. So this is a character that we've seen on the show previously. So as we're watching this episode, I'm thinking. If she was to run into Atticus and what is her sister's name? Oh, um, uh, Letitia, Letty. Letty. If she runs into them, that's going to be very interesting. That would have been the first place I ran, honestly. It was to her sister? Yeah, I'd be like, I'm a white woman. Like, that's <laughs> if you wake up white, I'm going to run to the first, like the closest person I know and help. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, her and Letitia were beefing. After the house situation, because Letitia told her that she got the money from their mom, which we later found out was a lie because she got the money from what is that other white woman's name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Yes, she got the money from Elizabeth. So they were beefing. Forget the beef. I'm a white woman now. I don't (laughs) think there's any beef that would have made me not go to your sister. Yeah. And be like, help. Well, okay. So William presents Ruby with this opportunity. Like, you can live, like, who are you if you can live life uninterrupted? And that is such a great question. And we got to see what Ruby did. Like her first thing, when it happened and she woke up and she was running around the streets, she immediately got to see on the other side of what it looks like when, you know, cops run up to you and you're this white woman and they automatically assume that these black people are trying to harm you. And I thought it was interesting that the conversation she had with William was, the black people weren't scared of me. They were scared for me, which was to me such a fucking important moment in this episode because white people are afraid of black people, but we are afraid for, but they were afraid for her. So had she been a black woman in the white section of town, they would have been scared for themselves. Whereas these people were scared for her. Like they were concerned for her. And she pointed it out to him. Did anybody else catch that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. that was a powerful scene definitely yeah i agree with you 100 percent. so he tells her you know we see her transformation so i thought that transformation from the basic white woman as armani said back into ruby was very interesting i appreciate the fact that they did not sugarcoat that transformation like it was bloody it was nasty it was gritty i liked it i enjoyed it that <laughs> might sound weird <laughs> <laughs> It might sound weird, but I was here for it. I loved it. We get some 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 things I kind of just want to note. We got a great for color girls quote in this movie. Armani, did you catch it? No, I didn't catch it. So she quotes for color girls in this movie. Um, I don't remember which character for color girls. It was not actually in the movie, but it was a quote that's in the play. I thought that was amazing and very important just because of the overall tone of this episode and what it talks about. Um, but Ruby decides what she wants to do as the white woman is she went and got a job <laughs> after she got ice cream and walked the streets. She went and got a job 
at that clothing store that she had applied to when she was regular Ruby. And she learns that the black girl who did get the job was less qualified than her. Look, this part I didn't agree with. Like I I couldn't sympathize with Ruby on this part because it wasn't that black girl's fault necessarily either that Ruby did not get the job. But she didn't take it out on her either. Uh, she kind of did. She started to, but she caught herself. Mm-mm. Like she started. She, I I agree. She she took it out on her. She was mad mad. I mean, <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> Put it like this, like instead of she wasn't like she wasn't in there saying like, yo, hey, you on the slide, like, you know, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. Like what I noticed was when she was speaking to her, everybody was turning around looking. And I was like, oh, wow. So she's that loud that everybody is turning around like she was she was flat out embarrassing her. And at this point, it kind of like I was about to turn the show off because I was like, if we're about to sit here and watch this black woman become a white woman and then be racist to this black woman, I'm not here for it. Um, I could I could see that being being a question and issue for sure. Um, but I understand the initial reaction. It was very real. Like it was a very real reaction like that would have honestly. Yeah, I, I'm somewhere in the middle of both of y'all. I agree. Because, you know, it's one of those things where you come around and you see the thing that you've been trying to do for so long. And, you know, I guess they're trying to insinuate that she's a cute little, I don't know, like you said, she's less qualified. But why does she get the job? I guess because she's nicer to look at, maybe. I I don't know. However, when you get there and you see somebody that has an opportunity that you have. And they're not taking that opportunity as serious. I could understand why she flipped out a little bit. Yeah, I could understand why she was going a little a little hard. Because Ruby asked her, you know, did you go to night school? Did you do these things? And these were all things that Ruby did. Like, she put in work to be able to get into that position. And then, you know, you're not picked or you're crossed over. You're, you're passed over for someone who comes off less threatening, probably. Less of a scary black woman which is a whole nother conversation we're not gonna get into right now <laughs> but that you know because i'm glad that the woman that they cast who got the job was not light-skinned because that would have been i was we, just about to say that yeah, then we would have got into the whole light-skinned dark-skinned debate but the fact that we are talking about two brown-skinned women it was just literally the fact of someone who just comes off probably is less threatening more controllable palatable person um which sucks because that's that that's a real life thing that happened so william tells ruby that hey you can do this but i need you to do me a favor and the favor is i need you to play a maid at this cocktail party because i need you to get some information for me or do some shit for me william exits stage left enter stage right we get elizabeth back is her name elizabeth what's his sister's name elizabeth okay just want to make sure i'm not calling her the wrong name because i'm good for calling people the wrong name. Elizabeth <laughs> gives Ruby some stone to put in the office. Ruby goes in office at this point, and I will go back and say at some point in this podcast, I made a comment saying we never see, we've never seen William and Elizabeth in the same room together at all. And I was just like, here we go with this shit. We still don't see it or whatever, but. Um, the fellow co-worker white lady. So Ruby also gets to see behind the curtain of these white women ain't doing shit in this back room. They're just back here lollygagging. 
having a good time and dancing and gyrating. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> but they convinced the black girl. They were like, let's let's go, let's get the black girl to take us to the south side of town so we can go to a nightclub. I <laughs> I have so many feelings about this because it is still something that legitimately happens to this day, which okay, we're just gonna caveat right here. This podcast is called House of Blurs, okay? This is a black ass podcast with black ass people on it, okay? So if you didn't know that before you started listening, welcome. But it's a matter of white people inserting themselves in a space for black people and not even like you don't necessarily like this is their safe space and you're just inserting yourself in it and making her like take you there like she can't tell them no I'm not taking y'all there because you don't belong there but they didn't even care that they're going into this space and taking up space in this space and I just like that whole I just wanted to punch them on the face to be honest (laughs) see I hated it I was not hated it but I'm just watching it like, oh my God, this is real. Like, it's real. It was real. So it was well done. And it, I, I don't know. I was cringing watching it. Dexter, what did you think? <sighs> you know, it's made to invoke feelings, and it does. Uh, a lot of the things that they've shown in this show, it, it's very interesting that, that you have J.J. Abrams fused with Jordan Peele because together like you know jj is crazy in itself and jordan is very edgy and he's very intelligent with how he handles uh race topics i guess or or uh i don't know about topics but the way that he uses race is just very clever so it's just interesting how you have the situation with her busting out of the white woman pretty much out of her skin and um what she does with that actual time that she is that person it's all telling so i mean everything about this episode you know what i mean you know was made for that reason and there was a lot of wows in this episode so i mean that wasn't the biggest wow so I, i didn't see the situation with uh, William and Elizabeth. So I didn't realize it. That was more of a wow for me. Armani? Um, I actually stepped out during this part of the show. Okay. <laughs> so at this point, Ruby sees this. She's in this space and she's like, okay, we've got these like taking up space. And she's kind of tired of it. At this point, she gets tired of it. It's time for her next dose of whatever this serum is. And she doesn't take it. She goes down to the back alley. We get a true trans. I feel like this was the grittiest transformation of Ruby back into herself at this point. Like we see her really coming out of it. And again, I appreciated this scene even more this time because I felt like there was just more emotion on her part and getting the fuck out of that body because that was not her. That was not who she wanted to be. And she's coming back into her own. And when she does, she sees her boss assaulting the little black girl in the alley she witnesses you know him trying to assault her and he's of course ridiculously fucked up nothing new there but what ruby does when she goes back to work the next day is she quits her job and she tells him that the reason that she wants to quit is because she has feelings for him and he's like okay because he's stupid (laughs) this scene here where ruby then ties him up and then transforms back into a black woman and it's like, I just wanted you to know that a 
her to quote her, a nigger woman did. What did she say? Did she say a nigger bitch did this to you or a nigger woman? Mm-hmm. She said bitch mm-hmm. did this to you. And then she proceeds to sodomize him with the heel of her, like with her high heel. Okay. She was big mad. <laughs> that. Yeah, that was that was kind of crazy. <laughs> it was interesting development. <laughs> interesting thing. We then get Ruby goes back to the apartment and she's sitting there and she's waiting for William and Elizabeth is there. They have an exchange. Elizabeth leaves. William comes and she's like, yo, what is in the basement? Because you and your sister getting out this basement like it ain't nothing. And then at this point is when we see, we get to see William transform into Elizabeth. And I was just like, I knew that shit from the start. Like I, I called it episodes ago. I said it. And it made sense. It made perfect sense that she was pretending to be a man because for the same reason. Yeah, it's like this potion clicked you up one step in privilege. Basically. So for Ruby, it was being able to be a white woman. Elizabeth's thing is the fact that she's not a white man being able to get things that she wants. So I, that was, that was interesting. Deep. Like, okay. Deep. Couple, couple things. (laughs) <laughs> that's deep like it's deep when you really think about it that's deep yeah you you look at that privilege privilege ladder and you know what you can and can't do is real so imagine imagine if a uh if a white man if a black man could be a white man what would he do and what would a white man do if he could be a black man or a black woman I feel like a white man would be a black woman before he would be a black man, which is crazy. But that's the truth. Like, I feel like most white men in that situation would probably choose to be a black woman before they'd be a black man. Mm. Just my thoughts on it. (laughs) I I think, mm, yeah, maybe. We ain't got to deep dive into it. I know. That's why I really, that's why I just stayed off. And I said, no, that one ain't, that ain't, that ain't for the pod. All right. Not this one. couple other notable things in this we also get Atticus's dad's truth Mm -hmm. we see that he was uh secretly dating the other Sammy who Sammy is a magnificent drag queen and first off looked fucking amazing in drag just want to point that out when Sammy was in full drag and performing at the show at the ballroom I was just like okay I get it um but we 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 learn his truth and his backstory, which this is not Michael K. Williams' first time playing a gay man. Um, which I'm gonna I'm gonna say the, I'm gonna use the phrase gay man because we don't know if Sammy just does drag and if he identifies as a man. So we're gonna go with the assumption that Sammy is a man who does drag and identifies as a man. So we're gonna say that Addict's dad is gay. Um, he's not in drag when he's at the bar. Exactly. So. But we don't have any any indication on whether or not he could possibly be trans and just not be fully out and comfortable. Because, I mean, what year is this? This is in the 60s, right? Yeah. So I'm going to assume most trans people probably were not out really identifying and walking in their full truths. But anyway, we're not going to get that deep into that part of the episode. But we learned that Atticus's dad is gay and is in love with Sammy. But I kind of wanted to really just talk about the fact that Michael K. Williams has played multiple gay characters and does it fucking amazingly. Like yeah, it's like his third one. Yeah. Th- 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 wait, third one? Who else did he do? He's in a uh he's in a series 
with some other guy, a white male, and he plays. I'll look it up. Okay. Keep talking. <laughs> While you're doing that, we know Omar was the scariest mofo on the block. There was no, and at the time when The Wire came out, it was still a time of a lot of ignorance. But I don't know anyone who watched The Wire who didn't fuck with Omar because of that. At least I didn't personally see it. Yeah, just because he was gay. Yes, it was like Omar was still Omar. And at the end of the day, it was Omar's coming. So you didn't fuck with Omar, point blank, period. And the fact that The Wire handled Omar's character in the way that they did with such level of respect, except for in those moments when Avon was just like, I'm tired of this mofo. I'm like, I'm tired of him killing my people. Like, I'm just tired. Of, he's, he's, he's fucking up stuff for me. So, like, those were the only moments, but it was never brought to his sexuality or anything like that. There was no, never really any disrespect on that front as far as The Wire, like, wrote it, which, again, being that it was done so many years ago, was done quite well. Shout out to Michael K. Williams. He's a phenomenal actor and tackles these characters amazingly. I got it. So, yeah, he was actually on a show called Hap and Leonard. It came on Sundance TV. It ran a couple of seasons. It looks like it was canceled after three seasons. However, I've seen it on a streaming network. Let's see. He plays a gay black Vietnam vet with serious anger issues. His partner, 2016. Okay. Hmm, Interesting. Keep going. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's it. I was just telling you that, you know, this would be his third role that I know of that he was uh, flexing his acting chops. Yes. So that was amazing to see. Overall feelings about this episode. Armani, how'd you feel about it? I liked it. Again, I feel like Lovecraft is kind of all over the place, for lack of better terms. Um, But I'm liking the direction that it's going so far. Dexter? Yeah, they got me back with this one. I liked it. It was super interesting. It was thought provoking. <laughs> and visually, like you said, the way that they had three transformations, right? Three transformations on the show. Yes. Uh, R- Ruby twice and one with the, the girl turning in, turning from her brother, apparently, into, uh, you know, the herself, I guess. It's her, right? Yes. And Ruby had three transformations. But go ahead. She did? Yes. She had the very first one. She had the second one in the alley, and she had the third one in the office before she sodomized the boss. Oh, I was talking about, like, how she's like, shedding herself. Yeah, like, three times. She shed herself three times? All right, you got it. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Mm. To me, this has been so far the best episode of Lovecraft. I country. And I want to point out the reason why I have put some thought into this as to why this is my favorite episode. I don't like etiquette. Yeah. <laughs> I think. We touched on this last week. They have not developed his character, to me, to be likable yet. I really hope that next week, when we get nothing but his backstory, that they make me like him. Because at this point, Ruby and Elizabeth slash William are my favorite characters. I mean, I love Letty because I think Journey Smollett is killing that role. And I love her angry face and her little angry voice. And it's hard not to look at her and see... Eve's Bayou, like young Journey Smollett, but she's killing this role. Um, and I enjoy anytime she's on screen. But yeah, I, I need them I need them to step it up with Atticus, which I really hope happens next episode. Cause at this point, truthfully, they've really fleshed out everybody but him at this point. Like his dad's been fleshed out, Ruby's gotten more shine at this point, Letitia's gotten, you know, shine, his dad's got backstory. Um, we've seen previews of Hippolyta getting some shine, so I need to 
I need to be bought in the Atticus. I'm just not there yet. So I hope it happens soon. That's my feelings on it. So Jonathan Majors has been cast as Kang the Conqueror in the MCU universe. So for those who are not familiar with who Kang the Conqueror is, quick backstory. He is a villain who is a descendant of Reed Richards, who possesses time traveling capabilities. He has been a villain in the Fantastic Four comic books, which I thought when I seen this, I was like, okay, Fantastic Four is coming with Kang the Conqueror, but... Reed Richards gonna be black? (laughs) (laughs) Descendant does not mean necessarily... Like, come on now, everybody got some black in their family somewhere, so that's... Hold on, let me... (laughs) We gonna circle back to that, because that was a conversation on the interwebs, like, how... Who's black then in Reed's family? (laughs) <laughs> Kang the Conqueror is like 300 years displaced from Reed Richards. Like he's in the future mad years. So that just means at some point, some descendant of Reed and Sue's procreated with the black person. Okay. We could be talking about great, 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 great grandchildren. It's not Reed Richards kid himself. It's not Reed Richards grandfather. It's a descendant in the future who travels back in time and jumps around or whatever. But it is worth noting that he got his, time traveling abilities and his tech from studying Dr. Doom. I thought when I seen this that, okay, this is going to be fleshing out the Fantastic Four movie. Great. However, he's going to make his first appearance in the Ant-Man sequel. I feel like this has to bring in, you can't just touch on all these points and not bring in the Fantastic Four. I Um, think, I think it's going to give way to, I think Ant-Man is going to lead to the Fantastic Four is what it's going to be. Which, at the end of the day, I just need to know that we're getting God Doom. I don't want a Fantastic Four movie without Doom. I think Doom is really the only villain that they could bring up now um, that would compete with Thanos. Kane the Conqueror is about to compete with Thanos. Because, I mean, he's, like, legit as far as power-wise goes. And smart. He is... Is he going to be another Thanos? Or is he going to be another... Um, what was that robot from the Iron Man? Ultron. Is he going to be like an Ultron or? Is no, he a- I think I, I I believe and let's just say I could be wrong. It's been known to happen as far as levels go. You know what? I don't even think I'd even put this in this levels. But the way the MCU is doing it, they're going Thanos. We haven't seen Doom yet. And then Kang the Conqueror. So if we were going to do like levels of villains. But at the end of the day, we know that Thanos and God Doom. I mean, if we're going comic books, if we're going off comics, then those two are on the same level of causing mass destruction and fucking shit up. Who, Doom and Thanos? Yeah. Okay. And they teamed up and, you know, we got the whole Civil War and multiverse. Let's just talk about the fact that we're casting MCU characters and we don't even know when these movies are going to happen at this point. Rough out there. (laughs) I mean, we haven't even watched. What is that last MCU movie that just got put out? I don't know anything from MCU they got put up. I know the Mulan movie with Arya. Oh, the mutants. The new, new mutants. Yes. That yeah. was a movie or a show. New mutants got released in movie theaters. Did it? Oh, it was yeah. like a, it was that scary one. So it's out. So we could. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so we can buy. So we can buy it and watch it right now. Yes, you can buy it on Fandango actually. Oh. Uh, which I'm going to look into that. A sponsor? No. <laughs> we got sponsors. <laughs> There's places you can get it that are legal. Buy it on your VSP. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to say, like, <laughs> something legal. Anyway, so yeah. the MCU is trucking forward 
with castings. Also, in other MC, MCU casting, Disney Plus cast. The young lady from Orphan Black was cast as She-Hulk. Did anybody watch Orphan Black? Nah. I did. Hey. So, um, I watched one episode. The main character from Orphan Black is now going to be cast as She-Hulk in a Disney Plus series. I would like to know if this is animated or live action because... She's not who I would have cast as She-Hulk. Like, that's not my She-Hulk. First of all, you only watched one episode, so you don't don't even know who you're talking. (laughs) And we're talking about the main girl, Tatiana Maslany? Uh Uh-huh. Yep, her. I think she do well as She-Hulk. The only She-Hulk I've seen is from the cartoons, but... Mm -hmm. How tall is she in real life? 5'4". Okay, so let's start there. Okay, how tall is Iron Man in real life? <laughs> how tall is Thanos? <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is mad short in real life. We do know they put him on platform shoes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, so uh, I guess we shall reserve all judgment until we see what she looks like in green makeup. Again, you haven't seen her. She's like, she plays like 10 different roles on that show. Um, like legitimately, you, you have not watched the show. I don't know what you're talking about. She she plays like ten different roles. She plays a Russian girl. She plays uh, like she plays. She's a a clone. Okay, so I'm confusing Orphan Black with What Happened to Monday. What happened yes. To Monday or- no, What Happened to Monday? Because which? Okay, so. that's Na- that's Naomi or whatever her name is. That's the lady from uh from uh I just seen that she was in. A movie and she was like the main person so oh, uh she was in prometheus yeah she didn't watch that either Prometheus oh. is crazy orphan black is the one where there was multiples of this same chick and one of them was a soccer mom right yes okay i've seen more than one episode of orphan black and i don't know what happened on what happened to monday now because i every time i thought of that show i absolutely was thinking of orphan black i mean so, they're similar don't get it okay all right I'm just, okay. She was cast, and you're right. I did watch enough. I did watch multiple episodes of that. So, um, yeah, okay. I I guess I just had in my head who I would have cast as She-Hulk or who I would like to see as She-Hulk in the MCU. But, again, you're right. CGI, makeup. So, congratulations to her for getting the role of She-Hulk. Which, though, begs the question, and I really hope that brings us back to me wanting an A-Force movie. I'm not going to deep dive into that. I've done it on previous episodes. But this is taking me down the path of we will at some point get an A-Force movie, and I'm here for it. Or TV show. I'll take an A-Force TV show. I don't care. I just want to see the A-Force. Um, next on Black Sundays is Power. Power Book, episode two. This week, we get to see Tariq integrating himself. Not necessarily into his world, but we get to see him like integrating himself into his family. He goes to dinner. He puts them on some information. Basically, so I really like this Tariq. I would love to know who's writing this now versus who wrote it before because the writing on this episode was really good and I liked it a lot. I thought that we really get to see Tariq coming into his own. We see Sax scrambling. Okay, let me back it up. So Sax is scrambling to keep Tasha in jail. I love that we bought back old cop girl cop who can't act thick ass accent. <laughs> yo, um, yo, yo, that's not right. Nah. I seen her I seen her on Whole Foods last year. Awesome. She looks nothing like that. Most people don't. She was on revenge back in the day. So she's been doing work for a minute. We get her why Sax would bring her in to testify knowing how much she dislikes him, I didn't understand that at all. Like why would you call her 
as your witness. I always hate shows like that have situations like this because to me that just seems super unrealistic that that judge lift this play out clearly seeing she had more shit to say but she was just like oh that's enough for and I get I've it. heard enough yeah yeah like yeah I get it for the continuity of the show however yeah <laughs> she definitely had more to more to say most definitely had more to say Tasha gonna be in jail to the end of this, this season that's quite clear but I also think it's there they've made it or I'm gonna go ahead and say at this point that Tasha will be out of jail by the end of this season now I'd be surprised as hell if she wasn't out of jail by the end of this season but I think they've pretty much set it up to where she will be uh Method Man called in backup. He has a lady detective helping him to kind of get to the meat and potatoes of what's going on and why. Because clearly the whole Tasha being the queen pen thing just is definitely not correct. And they know it. They're not beat for that bullshit. Tariq's teachers are doing the most. I really liked this young lady last episode, but this whole her wanting to hold a visual for ghosts. Like if you see this young man is not processing his feelings for his dad and he's going through a lot of stuff. What makes you think that you, a perfect stranger, and a bunch of kids who didn't know this man should hold a candlelight vigil for him? I just, that to me seemed like the stupidest shit in the world. I didn't I didn't understand how she thought that that was going to help him. Like, yeah, I, go ahead. I get why you were tight. I get that. What did you think of it? It was, it was a scene. It was very love and hip-hop <laughs> place. <laughs> like, it was a scene that was made for him to storm out and go to a party i guess like it was a reason for continuity to i don't know i don't know what it was for it was a transition scene because it really didn't make much sense it didn't it didn't add anything to the story exactly um other than giving her and her colleague ex-boyfriend a little bit more of a story arc that we learned that she's a sex love addict I didn't know that was a thing. I knew a sex addict was a thing, but I didn't realize sex and love addict was a thing. Who but if, sex love addict? Who? His teacher, the female. She went to her therapist who told her that as a person in recovery, she needs to stay away from him. She should not be alone with him. No closed doors because she is a recovering sex and love addict. Sorry, I watched it, but I guess I wasn't watching it because I remember looking at them having that conversation however i guess i didn't retain what they were talking about you're talking about carrie though right yes yes okay yeah Um, so so that's what's going on with her so we learned that about her and like you said Tariq goes to a party and we get to see that some kids who have some buildings named after their grandparents i'm gonna assume are also on campus and Tariq's face immediately was like oh i'm gonna use these white boys so we see that um, and then at the end of it, essentially, Tariq, Tasha gets brought out to Ghost Funeral, um, and she's supposed, they want her to speak. The fact that they wanted Tasha to get up there at his funeral, which was going to be attended by the media, and say disparaging things about Ghost was crazy to me. Like, I don't even, because I don't see what jury, I, I understand why they wanted it to happen, because they wanted it to be able to, like, all right. This will be out there in the media, so everyone's going to see this. So once it goes to trial and we pick her jury, they're going to have seen this, oh, Tasha, woe is me thing. But at the same token, that could also have backfired because what person gets up at someone's funeral and starts shitting on them? So that could backfire. It could. Not not in the sense of what she's facing, though. All she's facing is she's trying to be represented as a a woman who was scared for her life and it was self-defense. And... What she was doing was 
just being a wife of someone who was a closeted monster. So I get what you're saying, but she discussed that with her son already. Like, he didn't care. He was supposed to do it. Like, he didn't care neither. Like, however, I understand what you're saying. I, it's funny because my, my biggest problem was, wait, they let her uh, they let her out the car without, like, orange jumpsuit on? I watched too much TV. <laughs> she was decked out with, head, with handcuffs. I was, yeah. <laughs> In real life, if you go to attend... A funeral, they will let you put on your personal clothes, um, even though you're in jail. They're not going to make you attend your loved one's funeral in an orange jumpsuit. Got it. I watch too much TV. My bad. <laughs> so Tariq ends up getting up there and doing the speech. And, you know, he, he, he gives a good... I thought that that was the perfect period to ghost story. Like, this episode put a period on all of the original power stuff with ghost and we officially are picking up with this is now Tariq's story. So I'm actually glad that they had a funeral for ghosts in this series. And then we got to see that. And I feel like that's what this episode was really, was just putting a period on power, ghost is gone, and this is now Tariq's story of what's going to happen with him. So um, it wasn't a terrible episode. Um, I did like that the female detective, again, don't remember her name, straight up told Method Man that when it comes to trial put her on the stand because Sax is corrupt as fuck. So <laughs> clearly that's not going to go well for Sax. Poor guy. Well, any other takeaways, comments about Power Book Episode 2? That's thought? cool with me. So moving on from there, The Boys, Episode 3, 4. So here's how we're going to... <laughs> the Boys fits into Black Sundays because of A-Train. The moment A-Train dies, then, you know... It doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> but oh, it don't fit. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> the boys episode. Yo, Mother's Milk is still on there. So if you would just. Oh, if... yeah, that's right. Okay. So forget A-Train. We're going to talk about Mother's Milk, who has the best t-shirt game on the series. <laughs> His t-shirt game is thorough. He had on a Wu-Tang shirt. He had on a uh, New York Giants shirt. He had on a Public Enemy t-shirt. Like all in one episode. And I was okay with it. So you're right. So episodes three and four of uh, The Boys. What did you think about it? I thought it was dope. Uh, I I like that show. It's super entertaining. I feel like uh, in the vein that Lovecraft is outlandish and thought-provoking with the older classic time period, I think this is some fresh, brand new 2020 what if this happened right now? How would we handle it right now? Stuff. I like that a lot about the boys. They play on a lot of like human insecurity, even though these people have extreme powers. So yeah, I liked it. I liked the episode. I think, uh, <laughs> yo, that girl crazy. <laughs> that girl crazy. Uh, what's the name? Uh, Stormfront. Storm. What? Stormfront? Is her name? Stormfront. Yeah, Stormfront. Okay, so. In episode three, or actually, I think in episode, whenever she first appeared, I was like, yo, I am here for her. Because I was already ready to turn off the boys. I was like, I don't remember enough of season one. Season two was like, eh, I'm not really getting into this. But when she got on the screen, I was like, okay, I like it. She's brash. She doesn't bite her tongue. She is not here for the bullshit. But she's with she's the shit. Don't call racist. And then we find that out. <laughs> so- <laughs> Before we find out, she's a stone-cold racist. And she blows up a building with a bunch of black people in it. And then calls that 
Asian man, the little yellow guy or some shit. She, I was like, damn, I really wanted to like her. Like, I was hoping she was going to be the anti, um, what's his name, Homefront? Homelander. Homelander. <laughs> um, and here's the part where I start calling people wrong names. Um, Homelander. I thought she was going to be the anti-Homelander as in giving us someone to like, but it's crazy because they gave us someone that we could hate more than Homelander. Then, and that's a good, that's the sign of a good show. It really is. So episodes three and four got me brought back into the boys. So I'm now back invested into, I really just want to see how, more so how this plays out between the two of them. Um, I don't know if I really needed Homelander's creepy ass therapy sessions with the doppelganger. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So for those who haven't watched the show, he actually gets someone who is able to shapeshift into anyone. So he gets them to shapeshift into the mother figure that he used to be extremely vulnerable with before he killed her. <laughs> <laughs> this is a crazy show, man. It's a crazy show. Like, even the part where you said we should kill a whole bunch of black people, like, they literally went in the building and then they just, like, cleared a floor. Yes. And then went up a floor and then cleared another floor. Like I was really thinking, how is this building like structurally intact? I don't understand how it didn't just fall. But so not only does the late the the Asian chick whose brother she killed want her dead. At this point, Homelander wants her dead because she's out here just putting herself front and center, like making herself the face of the seven. And we learn that so irony enters the show we learn that she's like 70 some years old so she's been around since the 60s which explains her being ultra racist and she hasn't aged so now this brings the question of could she possibly be stronger than homelander uh will he be able to kill her because he definitely wants to kill her peep game like, i don't know if you saw the, the next episode but she gonna say I, I i believe she says stop being a bitch laser my tits He's she, he's lazing her tits, so I don't know if that laser even means shit to her. Was this in the preview for the next episode, or you watched the next episode? Preview for the next episode. The next episode doesn't come out until Friday. Oh, okay. I was about to say, hold up. I missed that thing. Um, yeah, so that's going to be interesting, but I'm definitely brought back into the boys, and I still, like, she's the character you love to hate, just because you hate Homelander. Homelander outs uh, Queen Mob as being gay, and tells her that he found her lover, and that he's kind of tired of the lies. And I'm trying to figure out are we trying to slightly redeem homelander and make him sympathetic because he found out he has a kid that he wants to be in his life and wants does he legitimately like want to do better is that why they created a character that you hate more than him possibly is that what we're doing is that what they're doing uh yeah i think essentially what you do is you have to create someone to hate more than homelander so that Homelander can figure out a way to kill her. And then, because essentially what they can do is they can make this whole season about him and her. And then at the end of the season, she can disappear and they can bring it back to us hating him again. Or they can take it further and they can make her win. And then Homelander being a, you know, in a vulnerable spot. However, you know, they can take it however they want to take it. But right now I like how they're making, they're changing the entire idea of hating Homelander more than anybody on the show. And now you're looking like this one's too big for her britches. And you're actually looking at her like she's too big for her britches, just like he is. Mm-hmm. 
It's a good TV, I, man. It really is. And I don't want to see the deep. I don't want to see his gills talk anymore. That was enough for me. Bruh, bruh. <laughs> I don't ever need, <laughs> ever, not, not, ne- never. Yeah, oh, that man. was. That's n- next. Nasty. <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yo. Yeah. <laughs> came in there and was like, right after he sat there and had a moment, and and they basically told him to not be ashamed. The gills literally told him not to be ashamed of the gills. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then as soon as Homeland, uh, he he got a, he had a broken seam on his shirt. Homelander gonna say, put your gill away. That's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. He's going through it. Yeah. The deep. The deep. Uh, so yeah, I'm 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 interested to see what happens on the rest of the season of the boys on Amazon for sure. So wrapping this up, PlayStation had a announcement this week and announced the price and the release date for the PS5. So we've got $3.99 and $4.99 price points for the discless and disc system with a release date of November 12th. We are going to deep dive into Next Gen Gaming on another podcast, Blind Spotting. Did we talk about Blind Spotting? I don't, I don't remember us talking about. Uh, we did. Uh-huh. In the so, Rapid Fire pod, I believe we uh, talked about it. Yes, that one. So if you revisit the Rapid Fire podcast, we went off about a bunch of things that we watched and are worth watching. And the movie Blind Spotting was one of them. And it is getting a television series on Stars. And this is, so Raphael Casal is on the writer's table for the show. Him and David, or David Diggs, as of right now, from what I've seen, is not going to be on the show. Raphael Casal's character has been locked up, and it mainly focuses on Jasmine C. Fitzjones' character navigating life with her baby daddy in jail, is what the show is going to focus on. So that's going to be interesting, and I'm willing to watch a couple episodes just because I like them so much, I wanted to endure a few episodes. But I thought that was just notating that Blind Spotting is getting a TV series on Netflix. Yeah, it says Gasol is uh, Gasol and Diggs star and wrote film, but Gasol he's gonna serve as the series showrunner and he'll have a recurring role. All right, so this week's sleepers. All right, so wrapping up sleepers for this week. Dexter, what's your sleeper for this week? My sleeper is Fargo on fx watch fargo on fx you can watch the first couple of seasons i believe on hulu but fargo is a anthology series it i believe it's going to be coming back for its fourth season this fall but it's one of those seasons i mean one of those series where the first season has a set of characters and it's all based on a true story uh the movie was uh loosely based off of a true story it's a dope rendition of the movie if you've never seen the movie it has billy bob thornton in it then the second season i believe is um is it's another story that is similar in the area of the first one but it's in a different place but it's close and it actually is tied to the first one but that's also a different set of characters the (laughs) third season is another set of characters however they're all tied together I don't know if this fourth one is going to be tied together. Watch Fargo. It's on FX. So have you watched all the seasons of Fargo? Yes, all three. Is Chris Rock in one of these seasons? Yes, he's in the third one. Okay, because Chris Rock just recently did an interview 
with, I believe, Esquire magazine, where he mentions how his role in Fargo was life-changing for him. And I also saw a very small snippet of at the age of 50, he was diagnosed as being autistic and how that's to change his life. Those things um, that might be worth checking out and um, looking at. Oh, go watch it. The new one comes out September 27th. So I don't know if you got to watch stuff before they, you know, they take take away the rights as soon as something new comes out. So you never know how that's going to work. Yeah, things expire on Hulu. All right, Armani, what's your sleeper? I recently watched a documentary called The Social Dilemma. And it was pretty much about how social media kind of guides how you think in a way. Um, And if you really pay attention to a lot of what you follow and what you look at, how it plays a part in your life. Um, it was a pretty good documentary overall. Where can you find it? Netflix. Netflix, yeah. The Social Dilemma. On oh, Netflix. All right. So my sleeper for this week is Blind Spotting. Um, good movie. It was a good movie. Yes. If you're not familiar with David Diggs, um, you can hear his group clipping. You can find their music on Tidal, which I enjoy. It's not for everybody. I'm just going to say that right now. So if you pull a clipping and you're like, what the fuck? It ain't for everybody. But I like it. I love David Diggs rapping. Um, I like his. Anyway, he's also in Hamilton. So you also know mm-hmm. from that. Yes. Raphael Casal, if you are not familiar with HBO's Death Poetry, he was he's been on several episodes. Like you can find his poetry on YouTube if you just Google Raphael Casal. He was a great poet. He's like got some good stuff out there. So the two of them together made this movie and I thoroughly enjoyed the movie because it presents that whole they set up like the black guy to be hood and things like that and then you're like oh it's really the white guy who's the crazy one um it's these two friends and where were they at in compton or yeah like somewhere in california the bay the they were in the bay the bay they're from the bay they're from the bay okay Mm -hmm. west coast pretty much yes it also starts northern Northern cali okay so it also stars jasmine cephas jones who we just mentioned a minute ago who is also in Hamilton, also an amazing singer, who's got an album out. Uh, I think she's got an EP on, on title. Oh, or out Peggy there. got an EP. Yes, Peggy got an EP out there. <laughs> uh, she's also in it. And again, we just mentioned that it's going to be coming. It's going to become a series. So I think it would be a great point to before the series drops to check out the movie. Yes. So my theme for this week is Blind Spotting. So definitely check out Blind Spotting. And it's on, I believe, what, HBO, Netflix? It's on HBO. Multiple. I know for sure. Okay, so it is definitely on HBO, and I believe it was somewhere else. I'm just saying, man, that's not a... Is it a sleeper anymore? You already told the people. <laughs> but did I know? You covered it already. You spoiled it. You covered it. it. Like, you already told me. Oh, yeah, we did have a whole podcast over blind spotting. Yeah. So you got to pick a different one. <laughs> what else you've been watching? All right, so... Yeah, like, I need you to watch Fargo, guys, all right? Watch Fargo. Y'all just gonna avoid my sleeper? That's, <laughs> that's what we do in these streets? Can, can we have a sleeper that's actually sleep? Like, you couldn't hop on here and be like, Harry Potter's a sleeper. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we, first off, we not talking anything. That's like, <laughs> Civil War is sleeper. Nah. This week's sleeper 
<laughs> it's Black Panther. <laughs> Actually, so let's, you know what? That should have been my sleeper because I went back and watched Civil War. Can I just say Chadwick in Civil War might have been better than Chadwick in Black Panther? I, that's possible. I could agree with you on that. Like what? He did work in Civil War. Like he beat the <laughs> shit out of Bucky. Yeah, because I was like, I feel like Civil War, Black Panther was more of a character, kind of. But like in Black Panther, it was... He was Black Panther. That might I agree with be you. my favorite, if not second favorite, MCU movie, to be real. Civil like, War. Civil War. Civil War, yes. Because we got Black Panther in that one. We got Spider-Man, like, in with the team. Like, that's when, you know, that's... I remember how excited I was when I seen that trailer. I... When Iron Man was like, under ruse, and then Spider-Man appeared. I yeah. remember getting excited. I agree with that because I feel like the only Marvel, not the only, but like the main Marvel movies that really get me excited are the ones that like they first teamed up. Because Ultron, Ultron is another one that I remember when they all teamed up. Mm -hmm. And that was like, that was great. So I definitely agree with you on that. Okay. I watched watched that uh, Civil War fight scene where Ant-Man gets all big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've watched that many times, at least like ten times, like without watching the movie. Like I just turn it on when I'm doing something. And fast forward to that part. Yeah, hmm. yeah, I just watch them fight. I mean, and I've done that with you know Endgame as well. I've just fast forwarded to the fight, like and just watch them get in at the end, and then I turn it off before <laughs> Iron Man. Sometimes I just want to watch the last like twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, like you know, it's a lot of build up, man. Nobody got time for. I'll turn it on right before they all come back, and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> on your left. Yeah, it's like, ah. <laughs> I came for just for this feeling. <laughs> Can we also talk about how in Civil War, because I, I hadn't watched it, like, I didn't do the whole rewatching of everything right before Endgame. I didn't do that either. So I hadn't watched Civil War in a while. But then going back and rewatching Civil War, like not too long ago in the last few weeks, you realize that whole on your left when Sam says that in Endgame, where that came from. Because it came from Civil War when he was, when him and Captain America first meet for the first time. When he was out there running and Cap was just running laps around him and he kept saying, on your left, on your left. And it's like, I think that I was just like, uh, right in the feels. Um, but anyway. So do my half sleepers make one sleep? Sure, it's fine. You, you don't have to bring another one. I'm just okay. <laughs> <laughs> <So> <laughs> My half sleepers are movies wait, that we talked about. Wait, your half sleeper was blind spotting and Civil War? Yeah, sure. Oh, cool. wait, we were talking about Civil War. How did you just bring up another one we just talked about? That's why I said two halves that's, make a whole. No, that's <laughs> so, not. So I get two half sleepers. fine. We'll take it. But next time, no, this won't be accepted. <laughs> can, you just t- can you tell them about Woke? Oh, oh, I've I've wanted to watch that. I've seen the trailer for it, but I just haven't had the time to like just go back and watch it. There so, you go, Nick. Go, go for it. <laughs> so this week's sleeper is woke. <laughs> <laughs> woke is about an artist who is an animator, and he makes this like comic, and I guess it's like a TV show called like about bread and butter. Mm-hmm. It's animated. Toast and butter. Toast and butter, yes. Toast and butter. And those are his characters that he draws. And it's cute because the show is done, like, there's some animation in it. Like, there's this one scene where he goes to his barbershop and he wants to break the window and the trash can's talking to him. And it's voiced by Cedric the Entertainer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
along this first episode, though, he sees that, like, his characters, which are loved by mainly white people, but he has these moments of realizing, like, wait a minute, my stuff is just real... White. Uh, whitewashed, maybe? Whitebread. Yeah, like white bread. As it's opposed for to the whites, yeah. Um, so, hence the reason the show is called Woke. He has these enlightened moments throughout the end of it, throughout the episode, and at the end, he just blows up with everything, and his friends are like, wow. Because um, they've told him to play it safe. Like, play it safe. Don't be too black. And there's great conversations around when comments are made to nerdy black people about, oh, well, you're not that black, or you're safe black, and shit like that. And like, what the, f- what does that mean? Like, telling people... Oh, you're you're safe black or whatever, like or you speak well, things like that. Those aren't compliments. Yeah. At no, all. That's so backhanded. So like things like that are addressed. It's on Hulu. It's not a very long watch. The episodes were what, about thirty minutes or so? How many? Yeah, it's like a thirty minutes. Don't give me the line. I only watched one. So Did you finish it. No, no, I didn't finish it. It's a work in progress. So woke. Maybe we'll add that to the Black Sundays list. So all right. This week's sleeper was woke on Hulu. So check it out. We're going to end this episode circling back to something that we talked about last week, Uncle Clifford's, because this week we got him. So, Armani, you want to tell us? Oh, no, you can't start with me. Hold on. (laughs) No, you can do this. (laughs) Give me a minute. I got to pull it up. (laughs) So, rule number one in the paint, which was the one Armani quoted last week. Let that stage be your stepping stone, not your tombstone. <laughs> rule number two, Dexter. That's rule number two in the pack. Always know where the exits in this bitch is, because you never know when you got to turn a window into a dough. First off, that's like the best thing ever. <laughs> rule twenty-four point five: No crying at the pack. Rule fifty-four: We don't do tax evasion. Rule 55.99. Even when there ain't no money, wait, even when there ain't no money raining, dance like tonight's your last night. Yeah, why is it 55.99? That is so fucking ridiculous. It went from 2 to 24.5 to 54 (laughs) to 55.99. Rule 57. No coins in the G-string, only dollars. Rule 67. Contrary to Chuck Lisa's belief, ain't no hoes in this house. Yes, and always remember. Closed legs still get fed. Yes. Before you go into the paint, no funny money, no bullets, and no motherfucking chips. And on what's, that. What's, what's no chips? Potato chips. They want no potato chips in the. Chips? And like actual, like lays? Yes, because when they went in the room to clean up, there was fucking crumbs all over the couch. Oh. I guess. Oh. So, on that note, that's the podcast. That's so, take care of yourselves and be good to each other. See y'all soon.